What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler and visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show. Austin Gill here with Joe House, producer Mike Wargon, and Warren Sharp. I'm scared to compete. I shaved the mustache. Warren, it was just too thick, too boom. Uh, uh, what is that called? Ah, fuck. Bushy? What the hell? I, I was going to say, I was going to say, what's that broomstick uh, broom thing? Is that what it's called? Broomstick? Anyway, the, the, the mustache was the too big good. Push Joe broom, House, like the big jam. Push, push broom. broom. Push broom. Jeez. <laughs> limping, limping through that intro there. But uh, Joe House coming off fresh off a of hip surgery. You're bouncing back. Injury, yeah, injury, uh, injury report looking clear for you as well. Excited to get into some of these uh, Super Bowl 57 betting props. Obviously, have the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The line. Eagles favored by one and a half total set at 50 and a half. I thought it makes the most sense with to start rather than limping through the push broom stuff, going to the best props of Super Bowl 57. That's heads or tails, Gatorade color and national anthem length. And I've got some data for you guys. Can we start with heads or tails? Obviously both at minus one Oh four on FanDuel. Just pick your poison. You have to bet the coin toss. If you are watching the Super Bowl, you have to bet the coin toss. Am I wrong there? I know sharp. You're a sharp better. And you got these clients, all these things. I know you're giving them a pick on the coin toss. Please tell me. <laughs> I haven't done the coin toss, but I will tell you uh, several years ago, I did a, we, you were able to bet how many jets will fly over the Super Bowl. And, wow. you know, all that takes is a little bit of research. I already know there's going to be four this year, but I don't know if they have that. I haven't seen that prop lined yet, but like several years ago, you were betting on, we were betting on that stuff. And that's, that's something that, um, you could, you could bet super early as well and, and win, but it is fun to have a couple of things before the game even kicks off that you are, uh, you're involved in. So I don't hate you for that, but before we even kick off with your coin toss prop, I got to ask you, I love that jersey that you're repping. You said it's the Travis Kelsey Cincinnati Bang, uh, Cincinnati Bearcats jersey. So talk to me a little bit about why you love the Chiefs this game. I just got I just <laughs> so, got I just got to hear I, I right in there. <laughs> I was going so I was going through this exercise on the walk into the office. I'm being honest with you guys, and I think I might be a lunatic. I think I might have should have been arrested for the thoughts I was having. But I was going through this thought process in my head. If you could trade. All 52 players on the Eagles active roster, everyone but Jalen Hurts and their existing contracts, for Patrick Mahomes, 
Or like, so which side would you rather have? Patrick Mahomes and his existing contract or all 52 of the Eagles roster and their existing contracts. I still think I'm picking Mahomes. I still think I'm picking Mahomes. <laughs> I think he's that good. Like, I think he's that impactful. And that's what, you know, I think Benjamin Solak, right after the Eagles had advanced to the Super Bowl, right after the Chiefs had advanced to the Super Bowl, they were on Philly Special with Shield Kapadia. Check that out on the Ringer Podcast Network. He's like, all the analysis this week is going to be the Eagles roster is better top to bottom. You know, they have, you know, obviously Travis Kelsey's a better tight end, but pretty much everywhere else, better roster. But the Chiefs have 15. The Chiefs have Mahomes, and that's the best player on the planet. That matters to me, man. And he's got the Super Bowl experience, obviously. I think that the Chiefs don't win handedly. I don't think they dump truck the Philadelphia Eagles, but you will catch me dead before I'm bet- not betting, leaving no money on the table, leaving no money in the books uh, with Patrick Mahomes as an underdog in the Super Bowl. I'm definitely taking the Chiefs. Okay. All right. I, 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 I like it. I like your conviction. Um, your rationale is sound. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is is absolutely insane. I'm really intrigued. We'll we'll talk about this more next week with with Mahomes versus Jonathan Gannon and what Gannon's yeah. going to try to do to slow him down and the history with the Colts and is that real and what happened last year and what's going to happen this year. Is there, there are so many storylines that we're going to be diving into, but but I got to hear your deep research on the coin toss. The deep research I have is if you're looking at betting the coin toss, you're going to get it minus 104 aside. So you got <laughs> there's not like a ton of value on betting legitimately a 50-50 prop, but tails tails never fails is one of the worst turns of phrase I've ever heard in my life. We have to go against that. We have to go for heads here. I'm all in on heads. You can also bet winner of the coin toss also wins the game at plus or um if you pick the chiefs in that round i think it's like plus 260 if you pick the eagles it's like plus 270 that is another option but i just have to have money on the coin toss it's just too electric to start the game house are you putting money on the coin toss i'm definitely putting money on the coin toss it just depends on how i wake up that that sunday morning um and that will be the way that i go into this that that prop gatorade code is the next prop i got some data for you guys Blue has been the Gatorade color in each of the last two seasons and three of the last four. A trending color, obviously, among Gatorade, Gatorade bats. However, the last time the Chiefs did take the win over the Niners in the Super Bowl, the color was orange. That's why, in a lot of books, orange is the favorite. The favorite on FanDuel at plus 320. It's at plus 200 in some spots. Volatility in the market on orange as the favorite. The last time the Eagles won. The color of the Gatorade was yellow, which is the second favorite if you look at odds on FanDuel. My take is I like Chiefs. I don't think they did. You know, Mahomes, I'll, I'll tell you this. You, you say, oh, what's the Gatorade guy going to do? What's, what's he like? To, you know, He chooses the color each day. No, Mahomes tells the Gatorade guy what color I like. And if Mahomes won that last Super Bowl with orange, I guarantee you that thing's orange. So I like orange as the favorite. I'm taking it a little bit at plus 320. I totally agree with this. I, I, it's a matter of, of taste. And I will say, uh, you know, during my recovery, I've had a ton of Gatorade, all the colors, every flavor, grape, green, blue, orange, yellow, red, all of them. It's a taste thing. And if the Chiefs like orange, then orange is it. It's it's what the guys want to drink. Like they're not making one batch of Gatorade to dump and one batch for the guys to actually drink. That that would be wasteful. The Chiefs aren't wasteful. Uh, So if you believe that the Chiefs are going to win, and Austin, I'm I'm sorry to inform you that I share your conviction with it when it comes to the Chiefs uh, at this stage. Um, uh-oh, that, uh-oh. That, that, that's an early mush right on you. Uh, <laughs> orange is the color. Orange, orange is the vibe. I got orange vibes. Warren, what's your favorite Gatorade color? And, and do you have an early lean on what flavor this Gatorade is going to be when the bath is dumped on the winning head coach? Well, the bottom line is this is just a derivative bet on who you think is going to win the game, number one. So you've got to figure out which color Gatorade each of these teams have been using. And so you bet the team that is you predict is going to win, you bet the color of Gatorade that they're going to utilize. And these teams, in my opinion, are so superstitious and they want to keep the trend going. If it's one in the divisional round and it won in the conference championship round, they're probably sticking with that same color of Gatorade for the Super Bowl. So go back, watch a clip, see what kind of color these guys are drinking, and that's what you want to bet. As for you guys, you're going to want to go with the Kansas City Chiefs and see the color that they've been drinking, and that's the color that you're going to bet on the Super Bowl. I have grinded the tape, House. I know that Sirianni has taken some baths in the yellow-green Gatorade color. I know that. So if you are betting, if you are leaning Eagles, in the playoffs, he's been getting doused in that yellow-green. Who dumped and, uh, Gatorade on Sirianni? Did they dump Gatorade on him for winning the NFC Championship? 
Yeah, Flet Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham looks like I'm watching the video right now. It looks like it was That's a little yellow green action. That feels premature to me. I don't. It think does the, feel the, premature. The Chiefs didn't didn't do anything with Reed. They're like, yeah, we won the conference championship again, motherfuckers. Let's go. They're let's keeping go the Gatorade the color on wraps. That makes sense. It makes sense. Last last uh, fun prop bet that I think everyone has to have money on for Super Bowl Fifty Seven and every Super Bowl moving forward is obviously the anthem runtime. Some books right now with Chris Stapleton, the country singer. I'm not a music guy. I don't even know a Chris Stapleton song. But Chris Stapleton is going to be singing this anthem, and some books have the line at two minutes and five seconds. Doing some simple research here, the anthem has gone under two minutes and five seconds five of the last six times. The only time the anthem has gone over two minutes and five seconds in the last six Super Bowls was when they did a double anthem with Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church in 2021. Now, I will also add this. I'm not a music guy doing some quick research. Luke Bryan was the last country singer to do the national anthem, unless Mickey Guyton is one, unless Gladys Knight is one, unless Pink Knight is one in 2017. And his over-under was set at 209, and he came in at 204. I don't know what your read on this is yet, guys. I know you're going to wait to bet this number, Warren. But, House, I'll start with you. Where are you at on Stapleton? Do you think he's clearing the 205? Or are you leaning under five of the list six times Super Bowl's anthems have gone under the 205? Yeah, so I, I need to do my deep dive into the uh, Stapleton catalog because I need to know... Obviously, he loves America, but I want to know how much does he love America? Is he a guy with a lot of, you know, um, rah-rah America kind of stuff as in, in his portfolio? That, to me, will, will help, you know, sort of counsel what kind of performance he feels like he wants to share on that uh, uh, unmatched national worldwide stage, the celebration of America that he, that he wants to come and present to, to the entire world. My inclination would be, that he would come in, get in there, get it, get it down, get it out, let everybody uh, enjoy his his stylings, and then be done with it. So I would play an under. But if I see a bunch of you know, um, God bless America in the catalog, then I might rethink my position. I am pleading the fifth on this one until. Uh -oh. It's appropriate for me to weigh in on it, and that is not yet. <laughs> wow. Leading the fifth. He's got what's information. Gonna make it He's got I, information. I, I, do, I agree. I what's going to make it appropriate? Uh, what's going to make it appropriate is I've got the answer, and I've bet it, and then I'm happy to share it uh, as soon as I've, I've, I've bet some on it. But um, I oh do have God. a fun prop because, I, because I'm not uh, sharing some of that. I do have an interesting prop or just some data to share with you guys on the coin toss and what the team that wins the toss chooses to do, okay? So that's obviously interesting as well. So if you look at this season, this season alone, 262 times has the team that has won the toss chosen to kick or defer. For the Eagles, they've done it 13 times, and for the Chiefs, they've done it nine times. The alternative is you win the toss and you choose to receive. That's only happened 21 times this year. And the Chiefs have done it once. That's it. And the Eagles have not done it at all. Now, if you look back at the Super Bowl um, over the last, I want to say I've got five years of data here that I've got thus far, just in case uh, you guys are curious. So far in the last five Super Bowls, the team that won the toss chose to defer all five times. There has never been a team that's won the toss in the Super Bowl in the last five years that has chosen to receive. So if you're looking to bet your coin toss props, and I don't know if there are other derivative ways to, to bet it with like win the toss and choose to kick, win the toss and choose to defer, lose the toss, et cetera, et cetera. But chances are in this game, they're deferring. These teams, the Chiefs have only received it once. But for the most part, they're deferring. So layer that into what you're thinking of betting as it relates to the result of the coin toss. Appreciate you giving us that prop as you take out a second mortgage and lay more on whatever side of the anthem you're on. And me no, being no, this, this, is, <laughs> this is not going to be that serious for me. I just, I just, uh, I, I don't usually bet on this. I got information last year, chose to bet on it. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening this year. But all of these things are 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 these fun novelty props. They're, they're 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 for fun, and they're if you want some action, 
go for it. And it's fun. Like, look, you're at home, you got kids, et cetera. You guys are, hey, which side coin do you think it's going to land on? And you guys are talking about, well, I bet this, let's root for heads or I bet that let's root for tails. So anyways, these are, these are a lot of fun and hopefully you guys can, uh, can win a little bit before the game starts. But the, the real hardcore props, obviously, we're going to dive into here shortly. That is very true. I didn't hit that on the top. Obviously, talking Anthem, Gatorade color, coin toss. These are the fun props around the Super Bowl that when you got the wings out, you got your favorite Super Bowl food out. I think Chipotle is an under, oh, no free ass, but some burritos of some sort are a very good option for Super Bowl Sunday because wings are great, but you got to, where is everyone putting their bones? Like, can we have that conversation one day? Why are wings so overhyped? Where is everyone putting their bones on Super Bowl Sunday when you got the house party? You're like holding them in a napkin. You got to go run over to throw them away. Give some people their own food. Let the people have their own food, but uh, we'll have to get into that. Wait, so are you a boneless wings guy? What, what is I'm your not, alternative? I'm not, a, I'm not a boneless wings guy. I just don't think wings should be the go-to Super Bowl food. Like, especially if you're having a Super Bowl house party. What is everyone doing with their bones? Are they just like sucking on these bones, holding them in a napkin while Austin, they're watching on the couch? It, go ahead. America has figured this out. Somehow or another, the, the, the conundrum that you're uh, describing is something that we sorted out 20 years ago. And your proposed replacement burrito is the is is so dead wrong i can't even begin to, oh to start with, with all of the ways that it's wrong <laughs> but we will save this conversation we have an upcoming uh series on the house of carbs and austin gale you'll be one of the invited guests and then you and i can sit down and break this down obviously wings are great because you can hold them in your hand and it doesn't matter where the bones go they'll go anywhere it does. they're gonna end it up in the trash the at some it, point it, they'll it, end up in the trash it's not a challenge it's not a conundrum Freaking burrito. It is a challenge. It is a nobody, challenge. Nobody's walking around with a burrito. Anyways, let's talk some football. <laughs> All right, House of Carbs. Let's get into some football here. I'm leaning the under on the anthem, by the way. I'm going to be rooting for the under. I like Chris Stapleton to get it done. Get it done quick. Luke Bryan went under the last country, sing country singer to do it. It's also the highest the line has been since Luke Bryan's line was two minutes and nine seconds. And obviously he came in at 204. I'm liking the under at 205. I don't know what Warren's got. I know he's got 50 grand on something or a million dollars on something, but <laughs> I'm going under and no. I don't give a hell. Let, let's get it. I wanted to go to now we're talking real football here. I want to go passing, rushing, receiving props. Then we'll look at some scoring props, specifically anytime touchdown score. I had some notes there. And then Super Bowl MVP. Now that the fun props are in the bag and House of Carbs, that, that episode is scheduled where we talk wings versus burritos. Passing props. Looking at where Jalen Hurts is currently and where Patrick Mahomes is currently on the over-under line on FanDuel, Jalen Hurts total set at 240 and a half, minus 114 aside. Patrick Mahomes set at 290 and a half. Your guys' first read, you also have the touchdown props. Jalen Hurts over one and a half at minus 114. Patrick Mahomes over one and a half, minus 215. Everyone expecting Patrick Mahomes to throw a second touchdown. House, I'll start with you. Any early reads, even if you don't have an early read on those lines specifically, 240 and a half, 290 and a half, any reads yeah. on the performance of these quarterbacks, the passing performances of these quarterbacks? So I'm having a, a hard time. We're, we're, you know, not quite a full weekend in terms of the analysis. And I'm still working through what, what I uh, want to believe about the game scripts. I haven't yet come up with, like, strong conviction. So I've dabbled in these markets a little bit based on some of the early research. So like one of the things that you, you, you'll find as you do some of the research, and this probably came from the Sharp Group, um, the <laughs> Chiefs are the uh, most uh, prolific defense in, inside the red zone and giving up passing touchdowns. They've given up the most passing touchdowns in the red zone in the, uh, in, in, in the entire league. So a Hurts passing touchdown prop over one and a half little bit of interest in that. I've gone ahead and, and, and fired on that. But the, the problem is, in the big picture, I don't know who this Chiefs offense is, right? We know that they're number one in EPA and success rate in rushing the football. And we know that, that the Chiefs are sort of average. But the problem is, is contextualizing it. And, and we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday's East Coast Bias. Who have the 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 Eagles gone up against um, in terms of of defenses across the board? And and you know how how can we really drill down into these numbers and then come up with with an edge? That's kind of the the challenge that I'm still working through right now. Um, so the only thing that I fired on in terms of 
passing, uh, you know, approach, two things. One is Mahomes over attempts, and that's a, a function of what he's done. You know, we have a, a reasonable amount of a, of a sample size in terms of what, what the Chiefs like to do in approach uh, in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. So thirty, I got him at, at 39 and a half um, and laying one, minus 120. And then I played that Hurts over one and a half passing touchdowns just sort of based on, okay, if they get down, I, I, I don't, if the Eagles are down inside the red zone, I don't mind the idea of, of Hurts trying to throw the ball. But that's sort of where I'm at at the moment. Warren, what's your thought specifically on that Patch Mahomes over one and a half passing touchdowns? Is there better ways to bet that, right? You're at minus 215 if you want to go over one and a half. You're looking at three plus touchdowns, four plus touchdowns for him if you are leaning Mahomes. And I guess, yeah, also what's your read on Hurts if you have any? Well, on on Hurts, I will say to just piggyback on what House mentioned, uh, the list of, this is from Ryan McChrystal over at, uh, at my site, the list of regular season opponents who did not throw multiple touchdowns against the Chiefs are only... Bryce Perkins, Malik Willis, Jeff Driscoll, Geno Smith, Jarrett Stidham, and Russell Wilson. So that wow. those are the only quarterbacks who did not throw multiple touchdown passes against the Kansas City Chiefs. We're not talking about a lot of really high-profile quarterbacks uh, on that list. So that is intriguing, but we know that the Eagles have obviously shifted a little bit more to a run-first style of play um, down inside of the red zone. And I think one of the biggest questions when you're talking about Jalen Hurts in general is just how bad off is that shoulder, right? Like we, we saw him have the extra week after they won against the Giants in week 18 and him come out and say, man, it's great that we have this extra week because I don't know if I could play next week. And they got the bye week. They came back against the Giants. They obviously torched them completely. But there were some late passes in that game that did not look great from Hurts, but they were already up big, and so it didn't really matter. Then you go to the next week's game where they don't have an extra week to prepare or for rather for Hurts to rest his shoulder, and they go up against the Niners, that physical defense, and Hurts obviously did not look that great throwing the ball deeper down the field. So there's a lot of elements at play here because injuries are the worst things to try to, especially injuries that guys are playing through. They're the worst thing to try to speculate upon because we don't know, A, how injured it really is. We don't know, B, the extra week, how much better it might look this game than last game. And C, almost most importantly, is that the Eagles do know and should know how injured he is, how effective he might be at certain types of passes, and might devise a game plan that limits the negatives but accentuates the positives. And because we don't even know what the negatives and positives are of the types of throws that he can make or can't make, like we don't know what type of game plan they might be designing. And the game plan itself is what's going to dictate all this stuff. Like, I think one thing that people need to realize when you're betting on props for for all of the props that you're betting, you have to come up with a narrative and a storyline for why you think something's going to happen. And then you can bet on multiple props in that same line of thinking. Like, well, if, if this happens this way, then X, Y, and Z are more likely to happen. And so what are, what props can I bet on X, Y, and Z that might be more likely to happen? Um, and so that's the hard part with this is that you bet on props, most people do, if they're modeling them out based upon what's happened earlier this season. And the Eagles prior to the Hertz injury are a little bit different than the Eagles post Hertz injury. And now we're not sure what game plan the Eagles are actually going to use. So going off on a slight tangent there, uh, but it, it does seem reasonable to me to believe that the Eagles might be running the football a little bit more and passing the football a little bit less if Hertz shoulder is a slight issue. We know that the Eagles in the first half of games on the season, and this is the other tricky element to the Jalen Hurts passing yardage numbers that we that you absolutely must throw in here. And it's one of the biggest things that I have focused on in the first couple of days of my research earlier this week. It's the difference between the first half Eagles and the full game Eagles, rather first half and second half. The Philadelphia Eagles on the season were the number five most pass heavy team in the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles in the second half of games, I'm talking first half of games, second half of games, 
They are the number four most run-heavy team in the NFL. And in the fourth quarter, they're the number one most run-heavy team in the NFL. The reason that they switch from pass-heavy in the first half of games to run heavy in the second half is because no team has led by more points at halftime in the NFL this year. Both of these teams, the Chiefs and the Eagles, are top four in average margin of lead at halftime. They're also top four in average margin of lead entering the fourth quarter. Those leads have obviously built higher than they were in the second half. So, sorry, in the at halftime. So these teams tend to dial it down a little bit to some extent. If the Eagles aren't being contested, think about their playoff games, and this is why I try not to take a whole lot from the statistics in either of these playoff games because of the lack of competition. I mean, they're up massively over the Giants. That game's never in doubt in the second half. The game against the 49ers, the Eagles clearly, to me, from a play-calling perspective, just put the decelerator on and ramped this thing down big time as soon as they saw Purdy go out. I mean, they, they knew that they didn't need to do anything except for not make mistakes. And so I think they dialed everything back. You're going up against Patrick Mahomes. Are you going to be able to do that in the third, third and fourth quarters here? Probably not. Does anybody really think that the Eagles are going to be up? Certainly, I know you, both of you guys don't because you're on the Chiefs. Eagles are going to be up 24 to seven at halftime, right? Like very unlikely. So you're going to need four quarters of Jalen Hurts doing something, but I'm believing that it's not going to be four quarters of Jalen Hurts passing the football at the fifth highest rate in the NFL. So all of those things are considerations to factor in there. I agree with House. I haven't really contemplated the Patrick Mahomes side of things enough yet, but I do believe this. I do believe that Jonathan Gannon's defense limits what you do down the field in terms of passing the football. They have, they allow the fewest passes to be completed 10 plus yards down the field. They're one of the best defenses against those types of passes. And if you were talking to the, let's say the 2021, um, Kansas City Chiefs, that would, that would have been a relatively big problem because the 2021 Kansas City Chiefs threw the ball at the fifth lowest rate, one to nine air yards. They were mainly throwing the ball a little bit deeper down the field. They really did not focus on these passes that were short and underneath within nine air yards. And so that, I know they actually played great against the Gannon-led Eagles defense last year in that 2021 season. And it was mainly Tyree Kill just completely unloaded on this defense. But for the most part, the Kansas City Chiefs were a deeper passing offense last season. This season, it's totally different. You know, this season, they're not fifth lowest in pass rate one to nine air yards. This season, they are the ninth highest pass rate one to nine air yards. And they're the, they are the 15th lowest, sorry, the fifth lowest pass rate, 15 plus air yards down the field. This is a team that is very comfortable taking the profits underneath, hoping to get a little yak, which the Eagles don't allow a lot of yak. So that's going to be a difference, but taking those profits underneath, getting the ball out of Mahomes a lot, hands a lot quicker, and just trying to matriculate the ball down the field. And, and as a result, you're probably going to have more Mahomes completions, more Mahomes attempts, and the yardage could still be there, but it's just going to take more plays to get down the field. They're going to have to hope that they avoid third downs or get into third and shorts when they are on offense. But I don't foresee very many, you know, 60-yard gains by the Chiefs passing offense, 40-yard gains by the Chiefs passing offense. It's just, it's just not the way that this game's going to play out, in my opinion. Looking at Jalen Hurts's, you know, one and a half passing touchdowns prop, getting minus 114 aside on the over-under, I, I do lean on over because I feel that the Eagles are going to have to play in the third and fourth quarters of these games. I don't think, you know, the Chiefs' first, second, and first and second string quarterback is going to be hurt. I think they're going to have to press the gas pedal down and have to throw the football in this one. It, it will be interesting to see if LeJarius Seed can suit off. I think the latest is that he isn't practicing. He has to clear concussion protocols to play in the Super Bowl, but... This Chiefs pass defense, when he is fully healthy, I think is a force and it can help uh, obviously limit A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I do like Dallas Goddard against these linebackers as well. I think over the last six games, Chiefs linebackers allowing a 90% catch rate to tight ends. Dallas Goddard's over a set at 40, or total set at 49 and a half. I could consider that. And him obviously being a red zone threat, I'll be looking at that as well. Get a piece of $10 million in bonus bets with FanDuel's Kick of Destiny. All you have to do is bet $5 on Super Bowl 57. And if Gronk kicks a field goal live during the game, 
you'll get a piece of $10 million in bonus bets. Some of my favorite bets, I like Kenneth Gainwell, plus 290 to get into the end zone. Anytime touchdown scorer. Also give me Blake the Belldozer at plus 850 to get into the end zone. Anytime touchdown scorer. That is the Chiefs tight end. The Chiefs run a ton of 12 and 13 personnel in the red zone. I like that as a long shot play. Also give me a little bit of Noah Gray, the other Chiefs tight end in those multiple tight end sets in the red zone. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. Gronk kick, you win. It's as simple as that. So don't miss out on the kick of destiny on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Just place any $5 bet on the Super Bowl to get a piece of $10 million in bonus bets. Then tune in live during the game to see Gronk's kick of destiny. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports book partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in select states. Minimum $5 wager required. Award may vary. Minimum $5. Projected max $20. Bonus award issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. All participants eligible for the bonus award. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789. 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Looking at rushing props, and you brought up the Jalen Hurts injury and how much he'll be involved. His total set at 49 and a half rushing yards in this one. You also have Miles Sanders on the Eagles set at 58 and a half. And then Isaiah Pacheco who played, I think, 59% of the Chiefs' offensive snaps in this last game, which I think was a career-high mark for him. His total set at 48.5. Warren, you talked about the Chiefs maybe committing to the run a little bit more. Where, where are you thinking, with, starting with Pacheco and then maybe looking at Hurts and Sanders uh, at, at those lines in the rushing props market? Well, I, I don't know that I, I think that the Chiefs are going to run the ball more than average but I do because I because of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the same reason that you are wearing the Kelsey jersey and you are repping the Chiefs in the Super Bowl is because Patrick Mahomes is a freak. I don't think the best strategy to play a team like the Eagles is just to take the ball out of his hands and run the football more just because the Eagles are a little bit worse against the run. So I think they're going to be still a pass first team and skew pass heavy. It's just, how are you going to involve Pacheco? Especially when you have these injuries to the wide receivers. And that's the frustrating part. You, you mentioned, obviously, the injuries to Sneed. And, and we know Gay has been injured as well, the uh, Chiefs uh, uh, linebacker. These players are massively important. And we hope that they can return for this game. The receive, receiver position, we know that... Um, they're going to be down some players there. We're hoping that a couple of the guys come back. They lost three players in the last week's uh, game. We are hoping that at least two of them are able to return. We don't yet know if they're going to, but it might require Pacheco to do a little bit more work through the air as a receiving back, as opposed to a, a, a running back. But we absolutely know that this is one of the weaknesses of the Philadelphia Eagles. On the other side of the ball, you've got Miles Sanders, and that's one of the tricky things as you're trying to model this out and or predict 
how many rushing yards he might have versus some of these other guys, typically the way that the Eagles have operated their rushing attack is once the game gets comfortable, they rest Miles Sanders. He's their number one back. He's their leading running back. And so they bring in Gainwell and they bring in Boston Scott and they bring in this variety of running backs that then help chew up the clock and eat things up later on in the games. And so betting the under, for example, on like Miles Sanders last week, you got a little worried after the first couple of series, but then once you saw the way that the game was going, like he just sat on the bench and it was like, oh man, this is this is easy now. We got it. He's Once he was out of the game there in the second half, we knew that he wasn't even going back in. So I was on his under last week. That might change in a game like this where it's the Super Bowl and they have nothing else to lose here. They, they like If Miles Sanders gets hurt in the third quarter running the football in a close game, like it is what it is. Obviously, that would suck for Miles Sanders and nobody wants to get a player injured, but like there is no game next week. So they have nothing to lose by continuing to utilize him and they may not be up as much. So do you believe that the Eagles may need to stay a little bit more balanced and keep Miles Sanders in the game in the second half, whereas for most of the season, he hasn't been in there. And how does that then correlate to some of the other players? You know, you've got rushing attempts props for some of these backup running backs for the Eagles. You've got rushing yardage props for some of the backup running backs for the Eagles. Are you looking to potentially take their unders? Or do you think that with the Hurts shoulder injury, they're going to be just running the football a ton and all these guys are going to get work? Like, that's something that you really have to try individually to uh, predict how healthy Hertz is going to be and how much running they're going to be able to utilize. But I can tell you this, my belief is that Miles Sanders will be used more in the second half of this game than he's been used in the second half throughout the playoffs thus far and, and down the stretch in the regular season when they were in blowouts in the second half. So how's what you read on? Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say all that uncertainty that that um, Sharp just mentioned is exactly the reason why I'm not messing around with any running back rushing props. I just don't. We we watched. I, I went ahead last week um, based on the Pacheco performance against Jacksonville. I really liked the way that um, the Chiefs, you know, had a sort of uh, rush attack. Um, it was a little bit born out of necessity because of the injury to Mahomes, but he's got that dog in him. There's no doubt that Isaiah Pacheco got that dog in him. So I liked the idea. It was only like a 48 and a half or 49 yard rushing prop for him against the Bengals. He rushed 10 times for under 30 yards against the Bengals. And instead, Jarek McKinnon got a bunch of touches in the backfield and both McKinnon and Pacheco were coming out of the backfield running pass routes. In fact, I think, uh, and again, kudos to the Sharp team, I think uh, Pacheco had the most pass routes, perhaps in his entire career, in last week's game against the Bengals. So I'm much more interested in looking at like receiving yards and those kinds of things, receptions and receiving yards out of the backfields than I, I am going to mess around with, you know, um, the uncertainty of which way these game scripts are going to come down. The one thing I, I am going to do is uh I've already done it is is um the Mahomes rushing prop so uh you know him getting over yards on on his own rushing prop the the uh Eagles defense has been susceptible to quarterback runs I do believe that Mahomes ankle these additional 2 weeks will be everything that that it needs he looked good enough in terms of his mobility against the Bengals but I do think that he will um be not not a hundred percent version of himself running down the field. I'm a little bit nervous about the Hertz rushing prop, which is around 50 yards, just because of the uncertainty of the shoulder. I don't. I, I would feel very very comfortable if I I had absolute certainty around. Man, that that shoulder's good to go. He's ready to run. He's going to be running down the field in in lanes. You know, in gaps uh, inside the 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 hash marks. If I if I had some confidence around that shoulder. I would go ahead and, and and play that, but rushing prop wise, it, it it's it's like the quarterbacks uh, maybe, and and that's kind of it. You mentioned receiving props. We'll stay with you, House. The receiving yards totals: Travis Kelsey at seventy eight and a half, AJ Brown at seventy two and a half, Devontae Smith sixty four and a half. Not seeing any other receivers listed on Fanduel right now. But wh wh where where's your head at? Looking at the receiving yards totals and and even looking at receptions. I know Goddard is uh, around the 49 and a half mark. You could look at McKinnon. 
right around the 25 mark? Are you looking at backups there? You like some of the starters? You think Brown has a big day? Where is you, Where are you at with the receiving yards props? So I'm glad you mentioned McKinnon. He's That's one of my favorite props because I think, you know, just based on the way everybody's talking about Mikko Hardman, that he's going to be out, and it's a bummer. I wish he wasn't going to be out, but just the the lean. He's not practicing, and... He's de- he's definitely out, I think. He's out. Yep. That's he's it. Out. So there you yeah. go. So, the, so McKinnon, to me... Uh, I, I like the, the idea of him consuming some of that. And it's the same, you know, sort of idea with, with Pacheco. I'm on Goddard. Goddard, I fired on right away. That was one of my favorite ones. It didn't hit against San Francisco for obvious reasons. There was no reason whatsoever for Philadelphia to throw the ball after, uh, the, the quarterbacks got hurt. Um, but he, he was well on his way. Uh, and, and I think he's a crucial elemental part of that game script no matter sort of what version of the game script they come up with. I love the the Goddard receptions and um, yardage props uh, receiving-wise. Devontae Smith is interesting because it does seem like there's some data out there supporting the idea of Hurts looking left uh, and that that's you know, more comfortable for him in terms of you know slicing up the, the field into quadrants and, and where he's uh, been throwing the ball comfortably. Um, 64 and a half feels like a, like a sharp number to me. <laughs> it's like, it's a very good number, but, um, that's one that I will continue as I develop my own point of view on the game scripts here. Um, you know, one I might fire on. I'm definitely with you on the Goddard overs. Looks like you can get over 50 yards or 50 plus yards at plus 102, 60 plus yards, plus 172. If you're looking at bigger days, 70 plus, 80 plus, you're looking at plus 265 and plus 390. Sharp, your read on, uh, Goddard and other receiving props. The one thing I'll say, like, if we if we talk about Goddard and and Kelsey to an extent, like the tight ends here, we know how important these players are to these offenses, and we know that both of these coaches understand the benefit that a receiving tight end provides in terms of unlocking things. And we know that both of these linebacking cores are not the most ideal, and that's where the tight ends typically can can sit down and 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 attack. With Travis Kelsey, his reception prop is seven and a half. Uh, and it's plus money to the over, like plus 120 to the over. He has actually only had over seven receptions twice since week nine. I think there's been 11 games he's gone over that only two times. Once was against the Houston Texans in a tight game, and then once was against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoff game. The issue, though, is that if you are down some receivers, we, we know that Miko Hardman is out, and we talked about some of the other guys that are dinged up. They think that they're going to get these guys back. Like Kadarius Tony was at the walkthrough. Uh, they had a walkthrough practice, and Andy Reid said that he was very close. You know, we're not sure about the rest of them, but Travis Kelsey is like, it's almost like um, it's it's on a string like the you do the old telephone thing with your buddy. Like one guy talks into the phone and a tin can is a string running to it. The other guy, some of you young kids don't know about that game. Uh, but I definitely that, don't. That's a. That's exactly you. You do, see, that's how you, you <laughs> I know, know it. Uh, of course, we played it. <laughs> yeah, of course. So for wh- so for whatever reason, I wasn't playing with tin cans and strings when I was a kid. I apologize uh, for that, man, guys. Yeah, I know. I know the, the <laughs> modern the modern youth. But I'll say this: that that's how it feels like with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Just their chemistry. And if you think about what Jonathan Gannon's defense is trying to get you to do, they're going to be able to get pressure with their down linemen. They play really good coverage. They're really good at the perimeter. You got to assume that. Some of these targets with the chemistry, Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey, Kelsey's going to figure out the zones to sit down in, and Patrick Mahomes is going to have that chemistry to get him the ball. I would be surprised if he wasn't heavily targeting Travis Kelsey in this game. Does he go over seven and a half since he's only done it twice in his last 11 games? That's what you would have to bet on. I'm not there yet. Haven't placed a bet there yet, but I do believe that Travis Kelsey is going to have to be heavily involved here in this game for Patrick Mahomes. And like I said, you are not going to have these bigger chunk gains down the field, nor is that something that the Kansas City Chiefs have been trying to do. So when you think about the Jonathan Gannon defense against Patrick Mahomes, I'll go back to the same conversation as it relates to that side of the ball as with the receivers. In the past, Patrick Mahomes wanted to try to push the ball down the field. And Gannon played a defensive style to prevent that from happening. And so I don't want to call it unorthodox, but what that forced the Chiefs to do is play differently than they were accustomed to playing in that particular year. And it caused them a little bit of trouble. This year, however, That is how they play. 
they play with the shorter passing, higher attempts, uh, get the ball underneath, and not try to push the ball down the field much. And so as a result, maybe some of these longest reception props for some of these Kansas City Chiefs receivers won't end up hitting, but you might have more volume. The risk is in any type of game like this, a Super Bowl type setting, how much do you guys anticipate this game getting wild late? Think about like the Bills versus the Chiefs playoff game that was just back and forth and, and touchdown drive at the end and coming back another touchdown drive because a lot of Super Bowls, the, the number of plays, the number of overall snaps, the volume tends to get muted a lot. Like you have teams that wanted to go hurry up, blame, 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 end up slowing it down a little bit more and, and trying to come out and a little bit more precise and less throw caution to the wind aggressive than they would at a game earlier in the season. And as a result, you don't have like the high number of attempts and the high number of completions and all of the other things that you might otherwise come to expect here. So I guess all of that plays into how you're expecting this game will go. So I'll, I'll throw it back to you guys. Like uh, Austin, how do you think that this game goes from a points perspective? Do you see this game hitting the total of 50 and a half points, which is what it is now. And I'll tell you this, this total was bet to the over earlier. When it gets to 51, it has gotten whacked back to the under. So there's certainly like, I don't know if we're going to get above a 51 in this game. It seems to be like there is some resistance and I don't know if we get back. I, I'm assuming we will get back to 51 because the public is prone to betting overs. But once it gets to 51, do we see any more sharp money that would move it higher? Or are the guys that like the under who have money willing to take stabs and wax at the 51 when it's there to drop the number back down? Because that's what we've seen over the last 48 hours, 24 hours specifically money towards the under. Um, I'm curious to see that. But what is your guys' general opinion of the play volume, how wild this game might get, and what you believe the final score kind of is in terms of the total? I think it's a great call out in that, you know, in these Super Bowl matchups, the you know, play volume, what you, the word you use is gets muted, right? And like the volume comes down a bit. And I think that can obviously impact the total. I, I do think that I would be betting under if it did get out to 51 and a half or 52 and a half. I do like it getting under 50 and a half even right now. I think the reason for that is, is I, I like the Chiefs defense more than I think other people do. I think when you look at this matchup on paper, if you look at this fan or if you look at this matchup as a casual fan, you're like, oh. Eagles defense is awesome, like breaking records in terms of total sacks. Darius Slay, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, and they're so good, and the Chiefs don't have anything. It's all like a bunch of no-names. You know, Obviously, they have Chris Jones, but nothing else there. Legereus Need Hurt. I think that Spagnolo, Steve Spagnolo, defense coordinator for the Chiefs, is underrated, man. He gets into his, not his bag, his spag when he gets into the playoffs, and it's just <laughs> nasty. Nice. It is, it, he has been phenomenal in the postseason in previous years, and I think he's going to show up again against this Philadelphia Eagles team. And then the other side, obviously, you have Jonathan Gannon. So I think as hyped as these offenses will be, Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown versus Travis Kelsey, I do think that the total sitting at 50 and a half, I'm still leaning under. I think anytime that number starts with a four, I think you're going to have a lot of public betters looking to get it into the 50s, looking to get over the 49 and a half. So I'm not surprised where the number is right now. Um, House, what, you, you have a read on the total? I do. I like the under. I like the under. I hit it under as, when it hit, got to 51. I, I played the under as well. I'm definitely not sharp, but uh, I the, the one thing that I do have a strong feel for is the Chiefs trying to control the flow of the game. And it's why I like the Mahomes attempts and completions prop in particular. They're going to try and, and ball control. They, they, they um, won time of possession against the Bengals by over five minutes or right around five minutes. I think that's like game script wise, their, their uh, intended approach, their intended goal as it relates to, you know, um, keeping their own defense at full capacity, right? They don't want that defense coming out on a whole bunch of, of, you know, three and outs uh, and having the, the, the rushing attack of the Eagles just bludgeon them uh, and soften them up for, for the fourth quarter. And, you know, uh, on the other side, the Eagles coming out and maybe going a little rush heavy, to, to start the game, to establish the run, and then all of the play action that might flow from that. So to, to Sharpie's uh, you know, question about play volume, I feel like there's going to be less plays in this game 
and a, and a concerted effort by really both teams to to win time of possession. And both of those factors, to me, suggest you know uh, uh, scripts that 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 produce an under kind of total. One thing to mention, you you talked about this, uh, Austin, with regard to the Chiefs' defensive improvement down the stretch. What I wonder about that, and both of these teams really have not played great opponents, and you look at the quarterbacks, say, okay, if you're playing these quarterbacks, your defense should look a little bit better. But that aside, schedule aside, which is absolutely a massive factor in all of this, and that's what makes this game so difficult to handicap, but also at the same time, extremely intriguing because neither of these teams have played difficult schedules. Both of these teams have played top four easiest schedules on the season, and that's helped them get the records that they did to get the first round buys to then be in this position. Um, But the Chiefs, over the first half of the season, their pass defense ranked 25th in EPA per attempt, right? Like opposing teams were able to score on them. Now they were going up against better quarterbacks, but they ranked 25th against the pass. Over the second half of the season, they ranked 10th in EPA per pass. I want to say since week 11 or week 12, they ra- including the postseason, they've ranked 10th against the pass. Their run defense has improved as well a little bit, but the biggest jump was EPA per attempt pass defense first half of the season to second half from 25th to 10th. Part of the reason that their pass defense improved is because this team, and this helps from a props perspective, played with lighter boxes substantially more down the stretch. In the first half of the season, when they ranked 25th against the pass, they had seven plus box defenders on 60% of early down plays in the first half of games. That was the 10th highest rate in the league. In the second half of the season, when they showed their big improvement against the pass, they played with seven plus box defenders on only 48% of early down plays in the first half. That was the sixth lowest rate. So they went from the 10th highest usage of heavier boxes to the sixth lowest usage of heavier boxes. And they use them at only 51% in the first three quarters of games down the stretch, which was the fifth lowest rate. So you're going up against an Eagles team that can run the football. Are you going to play with lighter boxes like they were doing down the stretch? Can you afford to do that? Because if the Eagles start having success on the ground and that's the strategy you're entering the game with, you're going to have to move a little bit more support into the ground game, which then will weaken that pass defense, which has shown a lot of improvement from 25th to 10th if you don't have as many players in coverage there in the secondary. So that's one of the biggest elements and question marks that I have about this game is Do they need to support the run game a little bit more defensively? And as a result, does that weaken the secondary against the Eagles passing attack from both a Hurts and a Eagles wide receiver and tight end Dallas Goddard perspective when they throw the football? That's a really good call. I I, I think that... um Focusing, and I think the Willie Gay injury is going to show up in that as well. Like, right. how how healthy is Willie Gay? Can we play loaded boxes with our top backers? We'll have to see. Um, I want to. I know we have we're running short on time. I want to quickly hit anytime touchdown score and then Super Bowl MVP to start. Anytime touchdown score. There's a lot of what I've seen. A lot of people on the Kenneth Gainwell anytime touchdown score. In some markets, it's at plus 450. On FanDuel, it's at plus 290. There's a lot of range and volatility on where that number is. And you look at his last two games, obviously both playoff games, 10 plus carries in those two games, 25 plus plus snaps in each of those games, all saying, oh wow, he's playing more. I also think that he's playing a lot better. I think you see like a more aggressive runner, a more physical runner, a guy that's maximizing his touches more. But what I worry about when looking at that plus 90, is how much of that is that they're moving away from Miles Sanders and obviously going into the second halves of these games with a comfortable lead and letting Kenneth Gainwell get more of the carries. I want to know if this game script is a bit more even and they're going into the third and fourth quarter, you know, say tied or only with a one possession lead or one possession down, how much does Kenneth Gainwell see the field? And it, does he get 10 plus carries? Does he get 25 plus snaps like he did the last two games? That's what I'm wary of. I think if you can get it at plus 450, there's probably value or even in the plus 300 range. Plus 290, I think there's too much public money coming on Kenneth Gainwell. MVS and Juju Sissuster, both at plus 185. We know that that's for any time touchdown score. We know we know Cole Hardman. I think in the two wide receiver sets, when they are running um, two wide receiver sets, you're going to see Juju and MVS. I think it could be worth a flyer on one of those guys or both at plus 185 to get into the end zone, especially if you're looking at the over one and a half passing touchdowns prop for Patrick Mahomes at minus 215 and expecting him to throw two. But I also say this. This is where my biggest edge is, I think, in the anytime touchdown score props is the tight ends, man. Dallas Goddard for the Philadelphia Eagles, and then for the for the um, 
Kansas City Chiefs, not Travis Kelsey at minus 115, but Noah Gray and Blake the Belldozer at plus 850 and plus 650 respectively. And here's why. Dallas Goddard, plus 190. We already think he's going to be a part of the game plan. I'm surprised that he's already only at plus 190. I think that has a ton of value. The Eagles run the second most 12 and 13 personnel, so multiple tight end sets in the red zone of any team in the NFL during the regular season. I think they're going to continue to do that into the postseason and in the Super Bowl. The team that runs the most, Kansas City Chiefs. 89 snaps in the regular season in, in the red zone with 12 or 13 personnel. That's the most in the NFL by 24 total snaps. That's getting Noah Gray on the field. That's getting Blake Bell on the field. At plus 650 and plus 850, I, I like those guys as anytime touchdown score props. Who do you think is going to score in this one, House? I have a little bit of action already on... Patrick Mahomes, and it fits that the thing that we talked about a little bit earlier, which is I think there is some susceptibility of that Eagles defense um, with rushing quarterbacks uh, over the balance of the season. I think quarterbacks have tended to rush a tiny bit above you know their their expected performance, and I think that um, Mahomes' uh, ankle will be healthy. A and B that the, the quarterback running wrinkle is the single hardest thing for any defense to to deal with. So plus four eighty um, for you know a little bit of play action, and then Mahomes out to the left running to the to the uh, pylon. Yeah, man, give me a little bit of taste of that. How's how do you bet anytime touchdown scores, or do you ever? I know it's like a fun prop among the public. I think that's the one when I'm at the bars with my friends. They're like, oh, I bet on him to score. I bet on him to score. And I think they like those in same game parlays as well. Do you look at those as a very little where you can find edges, or where are you at, Sharp? No, I I, I don't play in that market. I don't do enough of the research in that. You know, I, I the uh, it feels like it's a it's a fun market to play in more than than a market where I can you know it's worth my time to invest to go and try and really drill down and come up with with uh, advantages. So it's just a market that I'm I speculate in. Sharp, are you in the same boat? I am in the same boat. Um, I will say last week I bet Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown. I bet um, Jalen Hurts to score a touchdown. My logic on the Jalen Hurts to score a touchdown was simply the fact that I believe that they were going to, he was not going to have as much success running the football in general, but I wanted to have some exposure to Jalen Hurts on the ground. So I was reticent to take his rushing yards over prop in the game, but I felt like once they got down into the red zone, that's where he might use his legs a little bit more and he might punch one in on the ground. Ultimately, he was able to do that. It wasn't super easy. Um, I think it was like on a fourth down that they scored a rushing touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, that one, that one obviously cashed a prop like Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown. That's a little bit different, right? For me, at least that's, that's more, um, okay. This is his favorite target. He's going to get targets down inside the red zone. Now, these aren't the fun, sexy, long shot type ones to, to hit. And on occasion, I do throw in some anytime touchdowns during the regular season that have, you know, plus 250, plus 350, plus 400 type odds. Um, you know, I, I took a, a, a long shot flyer last week on a, a plus 800 anytime touchdown odds uh, with a very small percentage of bankroll that didn't hit. Um, but the, the goal with those, for me at least in terms of my of when I start betting those, is I actually get to that very late in the process, like at the end of my process. I handicap the entire game. I figure out how I'm going to attack this game. I've got whatever side's total exposure that I want. I've got my player props from uh, receptions, receiving yards, rushing attempts, rushing yards, all the all those types of things down. And then I say, what else do I need more exposure on or what else do I like? And in some cases, I... Like, I don't know that I want to take Travis Kelsey's receptions over, but I want some sort of exposure to Travis Kelsey. I, I can't get to his yardage over, but let me get a touchdown. You know, let me get an anytime touchdown for him or, or the same case was true with Jalen Hurts. So that usually is one of the very last things that I do. And I have yet to bet any anytime touchdown props for the Super Bowl. Last but not least, probably my favorite prop to bet for the Super Bowl after Gatorade Color, Anthem, and Coin Toss. Super Bowl MVP. Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, both at plus 130. Obviously, quarterback, it dominates this award. Since the year 2000, 59% of the Super Bowl MVPs have been quarterbacks. 23% have been receivers. 18% have been defense. That's since the year 2000. None have been running backs, which I was kind of surprised by. And like, there's some interesting prop markets on like Miles Sanders or Isaiah Pacheco, but I haven't seen any running backs since the year 2000. The defensive players that have won have been Von Miller, 
with the six sacks, two and a half, you know, uh, six tackles, two and a half sacks. He obviously had the force fumble against Cam Newton. Malcolm Smith, who had two picks in that game, one for a touchdown and had that other interception in the end zone. Dexter Jackson, a while back, he had two INTs in that game. And then Ray Lewis was the one that kicked it off in 2001 in the um, in, that, in that Super Bowl. For the receivers that have won, obviously you had last year, Cooper Cup went eight receptions for 92 yards and two touchdowns. I think it's important to look at the quarterback in that one as well. Like, why didn't Stafford win it? He went 26 of 40, 283 for three touchdowns and two picks. Then you look at the other receivers that have won. Edelman went 10 receptions for 141, no TDs. San Antonio Holmes had nine for 131 and a touchdown. Obviously that one touchdown was that absurd toe-tapping snag. Hines for 5-123 and a touchdown. And then uh, Deion Branch for 11 and 133. You can bet right now plus 710 for any receiver to win it. You can also bet plus 790 for any defensive player to win it. Tell me, is there a reason to go off a quarterback here? I'll start with you, Sharp, and, and look at some of these high-value ones. I look at Hassan Reddick at 34 to 1, Josh Sweat at 150 to 1 to, to maybe see some value. What's your thoughts? Those do have value, but they're obviously so unlikely to win that. Um, I think you can boost the value even further when you add them in a parlay with other things that have to happen for them to win. You mentioned when you talked about the wide receiver, well, why did the wide receiver win? Well, because the quarterback threw interceptions and so the wide receiver won. So what ideally you're looking to do, if you're betting a quarterback, you don't really do anything with it. You just, you just bet the quarterbacks. And again, for me, I've yet to bet the MVP market. I rarely actually bet the MVP market for the wow. Super Bowl, except if I'm looking to get exposure to like a money line and I want to bet the Super Bowl quarterback that I think is going to win, uh, MVP. That's a way to get a better money line on the game. Um, in my opinion, but in the cases of going with like a more of a long shot, what you have to do then is craft a whole narrative around how this player is winning. And then you can actually, let's pretend you take 75%, 60 to 75% of what you want to bet on that MVP. You just bet on that player to win. So you pick a player, Hassan Reddick, 75%. Let's pretend whatever I'm betting, 75% of it's going on Hassan to win the MVP. The other 25% should be split up, in my opinion, on some parlays that are correlated with what must happen if Hassan Reddick is going to win this game. So Eagles money line, boom. Now that's going to, you're not going to have a lot of payoff because the books already know from a same game parlay perspective that, that, that that's going to be highly correlated, but you throw in the Eagles money line. So they've got to win the game. Jalen Hurst probably has to then have a poor game if Hassan Reddick's the one who's winning MVP rather than Hurt. So does Hurts throw an interception? Maybe, yes, Hurts interception or Hurts yardage under. Yes. Then you look at what else might happen. Well, maybe you go over on the Eagle sacks in the game. Maybe you get a takeaway or you can do one that includes a defensive touchdown. When you throw in all that type of stuff, now all of a sudden the 36 to 1 or whatever those odds that you just mentioned were now go astronomically high. But that's actually what would need to happen in order for Hassan Reddick to win the MVP. So I do advise boosting some of the MVP odds where you can. Books, Some books might allow it, some books may not. With throwing them into Moneyline par, uh, parlays, correlated parlays, same game parlays, one game parlays, whatever the hell they call it, your book, and including some of these other things that must happen in order for those players to win, whether it's a wide receiver or a guy like Hassan Reddick. House, closing thoughts on the Super Bowl MVP market, and we'll get out of here. Well, just just to Sharp's point, you have to do a, a parlay to approximate the, the proper level of risk to invest. Like those flat odds on Hassan Reddick to, to win, those don't match the implied probability of him actually winning. You have to juice it up through, through what Sharp's describing. But look, I'm nothing if not an astute pupil. Uh, somewhere along the way here, Sharpie taught me uh, you know, took me behind the the the, the wizards. Uh, you know, uh, curtain. The, the curtain. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> you just I you saw just, you doing it with your hand. I was doing it. I was doing the curtain. <laughs> I just couldn't. Uh, I was say I was thinking cape, and that, but that felt a little too close to home. Um, you just play the quarterback, and and that's how you play the money line. So you don't have to mess around with Chiefs money line. You just take Mahomes at plus one thirty. Um, which I think is what, what his price is on FanDuel right now. The the money line price for the Chiefs is like plus, you know, 104 or something. 105, dumb. yeah. Yeah. 
Right. So just take Mahomes MVP, get that value. If the Chiefs win, love the odds of Mahomes getting the MVP. And that's how you, how I play that market. Well, the other thing Lovely. just to add real quick, House, is that the, there are so many derivative ways, thanks to all these props, to bet on different things that if you know how much you won or lost, like to the dollar, as soon as the game ends, you bet the Super Bowl wrong. The the whole you, you it should take a while to go through your accounting of all the different things that you bet on this game. Now, it does help. I'm thinking more in line of um, of getting the tickets when we're out in Vegas or other places and you're betting at the counter and you have like, I go out to dinner after the Super Bowl with some of the guys I work with and there's just like piles of tickets, right? That they've accumulated from all the props. And we it takes a while to go through and actually grade those out. We're, eat, we're eating dinner and we're not actually grading. We know if we won or if, if, if we didn't, which usually when you're betting with so many props, you're always going to win. Some on the Super Bowl. But my point is that you should have so much exposure. If you like the Chiefs, don't just bet Mahomes MVP on them, you know, as the de facto way to get exposure to the Chiefs winning the game. Do bet some on the plus 105, but also bet some on, you know, Mahomes MVP. So split it up, spread it out, get a lot of different ways to get exposure on these different, different uh, bets that they're offering. Love to see it. So I guess I should burn my Harrison Butker. 280 to one Super Bowl MVP odds. <laughs> I wish I got too behind the uh, Wizards curtain before I dropped uh, my next year, next week's check on that. But we'll see. We'll see. I appreciate you guys. Obviously, I'm looking forward to Super Bowl 57, repping Kansas City, uh, the Travis Kelsey jersey. So I'm obviously back in Chiefs. Will be a fun one to watch regardless. Big shout out to our producer, Mike Morgan. Obviously, you, Sharp, and House. Until next time, the Ringer Gambling Show.